they've lost a lot too. Our kids, you know, they've, they've lost the opportunity to go to school and sit with their friends. So a lot of children are feeling grief at this time. They don't, not just the uncertainty, but all the loss they've had in their life in just a short period of time has created some depression and some anxiety. Welcome to the Parenting ADHD Podcast, where I share insights and strategies on raising kids with ADHD straight from the trenches. I'm your host, Penny Williams. I'm a parenting coach, author, ADHD-aholic, and mindset mama, honored to guide you on the journey of raising your atypical kid. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Parenting ADHD Podcast. I'm so excited in this episode to be talking to Shelly Dry, and we are going to talk about all things caring for your child's mental health during the pandemic specifically, but also in a broader conversation about just caring for mental health in uncertain times. What do we do when there's so much uncertainty to really help our kids navigate it and and stay healthy in their mental and emotional health? Thanks for joining me, Shelley. I so appreciate you sharing some of your time with us. Will you start by introducing yourself? Let us know who you are and what you do. Certainly. I'm Dr. Shelley Dry, and I'm the Director of Clinical Operations at Enable My Child. And Enable My Child is a teletherapy company where we serve children of all ages. And my career is as an occupational therapist, and I've spent a lot of time working with always with pediatrics and serving children in mental health units and then also early intervention and a a variety of ages and stages. Fantastic work. And I love that your company is focusing on telehealth. I think that we're really pushing that way probably faster now than we would have given that we're spending a lot of time at home and a lot of our therapists have shifted to online talk therapy, but I love the opportunity for families to access things like occupational therapy um, and those sort of supports online as well when they don't have access to it otherwise. I agree, Penny. I think it's crucial that families have that access and they're able to get the help they need despite having to stay home and do things a little bit differently than they used to. Yeah, such good work. Where do we start with our conversation? Where What makes the most sense? We're in the midst of this pandemic. It's feeling more and more uncertain every day. I think a lot of us, myself included, thought that this would be a few months and then we would get past it. And here we are, what, six months in, I think, and there's still no end in sight at this point. So, you know, how do we help our kids navigate that and even ourselves? Yes, and it's the uncertainty that is really what frustrates not only children, but families and everybody. They don't know what's next, and especially a child who has a little bit of additional needs for support. When they have that uncertainty, it throws such a damper on their mood and on how they approach things in life. So one of the things that I like to do with children is give them little glimmers of hope and help them learn to recognize even though there is uncertainty, we can structure your world as much as possible, but we're also going to help you have things that make you feel good all the time. 
resources for you to to fall back on. So really helping kids identify what makes them feel good inside and what makes them feel like warm and loved and just feel good about themselves. And I just call those glimmers. It's a little bit different from an approach to identify what what triggers you instead of, you can know what your triggers are, but you really want a child to learn what's going to help them. So what else they can do. It gives the child control over an uncertain world. So when, when you feel out of control, the first thing you want to do is find what makes you feel good. Yeah. And so each child's different on what they can do, what does make them feel good, but you, you can help them identify some of those things, like thinking about laughing at something funny. A lot of people, laughter is a great, great way to kind of lighten the mood and it helps kids feel good about themselves. So telling silly jokes might be one of their glimmers. Uh, even, you know, some children like to spend a little time with music or just sitting with mom and dad and snuggling. There's just so many different ways. But the idea behind this is that you give them all of these resources, things they know that they can fall back on so that when the world is saying, we don't know what's next, the child says, I don't either, but I know that I have these things I can do to help me feel better about myself and what's going on in the world. Yeah, that also reminds me of a gratitude practice. You know, that's such a helpful way to help with our own mindset and with our kids' mindsets to recognize that while there's a lot of struggle, there's always something good. There's always something to be thankful for. Yes, I agree. And gratitude is one of the things that we know works well when kids know that, you know, there's a lot of things in the world that are going my way. And so helping kids remember that is going to help their mindset and help them get past some of this uncertainty. What kind of structure can we put in place to help them feel more of a sense of control? Um, A lot of kids will be doing school at home. And so I imagine a schedule for that, but what else can we do? I love the idea of schedules and helping kids do things at the same time each day or similar, you know, close to the same time each day, Mm -hmm. because that way they do know what comes next and just giving them that certainty. So they know, okay, every day at eight o'clock I get up and and the first thing I'm going to do is have my breakfast. And even it seems so simple, but even knowing that, that that's what's going to happen when I wake up. It, it helps a child then feel a little bit more in control of their environment. So giving them that schedule and, and letting them know what time they do class and letting them know what their day is going to look like is very helpful. I like to work with kids so that they know in advance what's going to happen. So maybe discussing the schedule the day before if they're at the right age. But another great thing to do is at night, kind of reviewing that day and letting them talk about this is what happened and how things went. And then and then working on, you know, the next day, it's going to be very similar. So so schedules are 
100% important for developing that structure around the day. Yeah, and I like to give choices, even with really little kids. When you give them the opportunity to make a choice, then they feel like they have a sense of control. So even if, you know, for a really, really small kid, you know, which cup are you going to drink from? Which Disney princess is, you know, the one you (laughs) want today, right? Or do you want ham or turkey for your lunch sandwich? Or, you know, we're giving measured choices. We're not just letting them run wild. But by giving some choice, it really builds that sense that they have some control over something. I agree, Penny. I think that is extremely important. And and like you said, controlling those choices, some, but even do you want to wear the blue shirt or the red shirt today? Mm-hmm. Letting them know that what they think their opinion counts to you also, it, you know, it gives them control, but it also gives them that sense of comfort and, hey, mom really does want to know what I think. Yeah. And it starts to foster independence really early. And I think that kids are most successful when we start that at an early age. Because again, we can, we can control it and still offer a sense of control to a child. We, we can still keep them safe. We can still sort of help them navigate. We can steer them, but still really provide the opportunity to make decisions, to even problem solve and give that sense of control. And I think that's even more important now than ever. With so much uncertainty, the more control we can offer throughout their day, the better. You know, if they're doing at-home school and it can be just done at their own pace, then maybe offer which subject they would like to do first. That doesn't work for everyone. My son's in high school and they have to be on live according to a schedule. But for some kids, that would be an option to say, do you want to do math first or English first today? You know, just really giving them as many opportunities as possible, I think is really helpful as well. I think that is very helpful. And I think that does foster, you know, healthy emotional health. And we always want to take that into consideration. How can we, how can we build their resources? How can we build up their self-esteem and their confidence and help the child feel good about themselves? Because we want to make sure we're taking care of the emotional side of their mental health and feel like they do, as you said, have some control and some some choices in this world and letting them make they're able to and just doing whatever we can to help help the child, you know, know that even if they're feeling anxious about what's going on outside, that they have options and that we do consider them as valid individuals who can make good decisions and good choices. Yeah, really building trust when we do that too, really showing them that we value their input and opinion and um, that we trust them to make some good choices. I think that's even more valuable for kids with ADHD because they get so many messages that they're not meeting expectations. So it's really important to provide even more, more of that to try to counterbalance it. How do we, though, have these conversations with our kids about the negative, about the hard stuff? People are dying. It's scary to go out in the world. You might get sick. You know, I think it's even harder for younger kids to have that conversation. But often 
I think we try to shelter our kids from this news and the older kids are getting it anyway. They're so connected online that they're learning about these things anyway. And I think if, if they're knowing what's happening, we have to be talking about it with them. Yes, Penny, that's a good point. When, especially when you're talking about your older children, you know, your teenagers and your middle schoolers, a lot of times they're not going to bring that conversation up to the, their parents, but the parents need to be the ones to initiate the conversation and just check in with their child about how they're feeling about what's going on and opening the door and giving the child the opportunity to talk to them because you're right. There is so much negative report now that they may overhear, they may access it online, they may see it on the news, they may just overhear other people talking. And sometimes the kids don't want to worry their family members, so they may not bring it up. So using those open-ended questions and as I mentioned earlier, you know, kind of reviewing their day at night, but also talking to them about anything that could be causing them any anxiety or fear or even grief because they've lost a lot too. Our kids, you know, they've, they've lost the opportunity to go to school and sit with their friends. So a lot of children are feeling grief at this time. They don't, not just the uncertainty, but all the loss they've had in their life in just a short period of time has created some depression and some anxiety for the child. I mean, their world really has turned upside down. Um, I think it's hard for us as adults. It's been a big shift too, but there are some constants in our lives as adults like work and, you know, we tend to interact more socially, I think, online or over the phone than maybe some kids do because kids are going and being around their friends every day at school. They get to do that. And so I think that the shift has just been so much bigger for kids. It's been so much more disruptive, if even it's possible to imagine. You know, it it feels so disruptive to me, but I have to remind myself that as disruptive as it feels to me, it's much more so for kids who really had a very sort of routinized day for the most part. And now that's completely different. You know, some of our kids are going to get to go back to school in person. I don't know that it's going to last. Um, my daughter went back to college and at the end of the first two weeks, they all sent them home and closed the campus because COVID was already out of control on campus. But, you know, and I see a lot of other public schools and younger kids going through a similar struggle when they try to go back in person. So, you know, your child may get that for a short time and then it could be snatched right out from under them again. And I think it's really hard for them to process why things are different. I think it's hard for kids with ADHD with time blindness to say, eventually this is going to get better. It just feels like forever to them. Yes. And especially children with ADHD who need that knowing when things start and when things end, this mm-hmm. this uncertainty and just the changes that can occur, you know, as you said, just two weeks down the road, I think I'm going back to school. And then two weeks they say, oh, no, you're not going to school. I've heard of some schools that tried it for three days mm-hmm. and then found out it was not going to be successful and they had to change. That's so hard for all children, but especially for children 
who have some of those learning differences and and have some of those additional needs it it's difficult for them to accept that that I thought things were going to be this way and now they're not and I don't know when the when this is going to stop it's going to go on and on and on so the things we've mentioned building structure as much as we can is, is one of the things we can do yeah, I think it's a big piece too, just for ADHD in general. I talk a lot about creating structure and routine. And so, you know, saying that our kids need it now more than ever is really helpful in a myriad of ways. You know, if you're new to implementing structure and you're doing it for the purpose of pandemic, it's also really going to serve you and your child in a lot of other ways as well. It'll be um, even more helpful as well. I know over the summer, I've been working with several families, coaching parents whose kids are young, six, seven, eight years old, and all they have wanted is to go back to school and see their friends or to meet at the park with their friends. And they just are really struggling to understand why it's so different. And, you know, they can say, well, yeah, I know it's um, a risk. We might get sick. That's why we can't see each other right now. But over time, that sort of fades for the younger kids, I think. And they really struggle with not understanding why they can't get that social connection. You know, the biggest thing for us as human beings is connecting with others. Our mental health is the best when we have really strong, authentic connections with others. And so that's been one of the toughest things during the pandemic that we're losing. How do we help our kids still have social connection and still develop their social skills. That's a good point. You know, children are devastated right now because they've lost their, what they feel like they've lost their friends. So we do have to give them events that they can do. One of the things that I was talking to a family this week about was finding what their child, we talked about their child's interest and it happens to be Minecraft. So we talked about a group where they can, They can be in a group with two or three other children their age and then have like a Minecraft event or the family is going to even incorporate some problem solving with these children. They come up with what they want to solve and then they use Minecraft to to play and to solve the problem. So they're they're using what the child's interested in and they're Mm -hmm. adding in a few friends so they can get the social aspect. And then they're also working on some of the aspects that their child needs to work on, which was problem solving. So that's one way to do it. You know, find what your child likes and then set them up with social groups online and focus the event around what the child likes so that they take an interest. Let them help with the planning and let them have some of that time with other children and just let them be a kid. You know, yeah. <laughs> you've got to let yeah. them let them be a, a child and we've just got to make do with what we have. And right now it it's online socialization, but there's also phone calls and, you know, there's there's ways we can help our kids connect with other kids. There's some people who are doing park events where they're they might be doing some of that parallel play in in their own separate little pods. but. They're just trying to keep their kids safe, but still give them the connection. Yeah, it's hard. It's super hard, really, 
And I, I think most kids do connect with technology. I think some kids still don't as much or, or still don't even understand that this is just the way it has to be right now. And then, you know, you see a lot of behavior come from that. And when kids are maybe even holding inside their feelings about the pandemic, if they're really worried and they're not talking about it, that can start to come out in behavior. We can start seeing anger and aggression or a lot of sadness or withdrawing. And we have to kind of be a detective with our kids and really recognize where that's stemming from and then help them to work through that as well. Um, I think really, really validating their feelings is incredibly important to say that it's okay to be frustrated right now. It's okay to be sad right now. It's okay to be worried. You know, every emotion is natural and human. And I think we need to give them permission. I think that's a lot of times why kids hold things in and why adults hold things in. You know, as a culture, we we tend to label feelings as either good or bad or wanted or unwanted. And we need to really give our kids permission to feel whatever they're feeling and to know that it's okay and then help them to work through it. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Giving them permission to work through those feelings is extremely important and you're validating what the child is feeling so that they don't feel like they have to then cover it up. Another thing I've always worked with families on um, as much as they can telling children of the change that's going to occur before it occurs. So pre-warning your child if you know that a change is going to occur. So even though we may not know how long they're going, schools will go back, we can we can give them that ability to know today we're going to go to school. That's what's going to happen for the day. And just letting them know in advance if a change is going to occur, if you get a message that we're going to now go to online school, then then I would prepare the child for that. And you can do that with, you know, you can use social stories, you can use um, a lot of different ways, or you can just talk to your child. You know your child best, you know where they are and what works for them. So incorporating those techniques that you already know works best for your child and giving them those pre-warnings as much as possible. I'm glad you mentioned social stories. I'm a huge fan of social stories because they learn so much from them and they don't realize that they're learning. So it's really easy to get them to engage in social stories very often. Um, And I have seen some print-it-yourself social stories around COVID um, floating around the internet. I'll try to link a couple in the show notes for everyone but there are some even specific to what's going on now. But in general, there are social stories for dealing with frustration, dealing with the loss of friendship sometimes. There's lots of different things out there now. There's so many. There didn't used to be hardly any, and it was hard to come by. And now there's there's a ton of them, and they're they're really amazing. My son has used several at different ages and really, really connected with them. You know, those are, that are that are written well as a story that for a specific age group, they can really get into it just as if they were just choosing a fiction book to read or just choosing a storybook to read. And they, they really can be powerful for a lot of different emotions, a lot of different social um, struggles. But also, you know, you can find them at this point, even for the specific 
of today and now um, as well. And I think it just makes the conversations easier instead of sitting down and saying, let's talk about how you're feeling. (laughs) You can sit down and read a story together and then that might lead to a conversation about the character, which I think is often easier for kids, especially the little ones who are dealing with kind of intense emotions that they're not used to. I think it's easier to talk about characters and and things like that than to talk about their own feelings. A very good point. Using characters and using using some of the those types of play and uh, social stories are also one of my favorite things. I love to incorporate them wherever you need them. So even when this when they started talking about wearing masks, I wrote a quick social story on wearing masks because I know how helpful they are giving them the opportunity to explore their feelings without it relating directly to them. But, you know, using um, doll houses and playing with dolls and, and setting up play events like that helps children explore their feelings in a nice, safe way. Yeah. And just talking about them, you know, I think in our culture, we tend to not talk about feelings as much. And it's so important. (laughs) It's so, so important. And we have to teach our kids that it's important to think about how you're feeling and to honor it for yourself, to work through it, to, you know, say maybe this is really hard right now, but I know things will get better. You know, after a few months into COVID, I know my older kids were really sort of like, is this ever going to end? I'm starting to feel like it's never going to end. And we talked about how There was the Spanish flu in 1918, but we weren't living before COVID like there was a pandemic. So at some point, they got back to normalcy after that. And so we will do the same thing, you know, trying to relate it to another reality and saying concretely, you know, being able to show them concretely that, yes, we will figure out how to deal with this new virus, we will find a vaccine or treatments or whatever it is, you know, we will get to a place where life becomes more of the normal that we knew before. Because I mean, even for myself, I just started to feel like, wow, is this forever? It feels like (laughs) it feels like forever, right? When you're stuck at home, and everything is different, and everything is uncertain it does start to feel like it's never going to get better. And we have to really focus then on other times where where mankind has kind of had a similar struggle and the fact that they did get beyond it, you know, really being able to show our kids that it can get better and that even we can have good things while we're in the midst of uncertainty, which is a, a good circle back to where you started in offering these opportunities to celebrate the goodness um, in every day. Make sure there's something every day that makes our kids feel good or feel good about themselves. And there's really a lot of that available even when you're stuck at home. It kind of doesn't feel like it, I think, but (laughs) there really is, you know, get creative. If ever there was an opportunity for creativity, I think it's now. And I think, you know, Helping our kids with exploration and new things, offering new opportunities, new experiments, new adventures might be another really good way to keep a positive 
tone for your family in the midst of what's happening. Yeah, I love that. I love I love everything you just said about being positive and offering new adventures. Um, you know, going on nature walks, finding finding joy in the little things in life. There's a lot of positivity you can incorporate into your day and daily routine. Yeah, absolutely. And I think kids love kind of that explorative, adventurous, you know, trying something new. There's so many things like science experiments that you can do at home with the things that you have in your kitchen and, you know, just really taking those opportunities and being together. And I think for older kids, that's harder. You know, we're, you'd think that we have a lot of connection with family right now and a lot of quality time because we're all spending more time at home. And I'm finding with a lot of families that I talk to that we're still separated. <laughs> we're still going yeah. to our own corners and doing our own things. And we have to be mindful that we still need to connect with each other. And right now, I think more than ever, because we're not getting as much connection outside of the family unit. Right. So even scheduling time to do a family event, have have family game night or do something your family enjoys and scheduling that time and saying we're committed to this. We're going to we're going to make this time just for our family. Yeah. Saturday movie night or yeah. Friday game night or, you know, we could take that the Taco Tuesday thing that has <laughs> somehow caught on and and is a thing for everyone. It seems like everybody knows Taco Tuesday. You know, can you can make similar things for your family. You could even have literally like Taco Tuesday and, you know, Wednesday is spaghetti or whatever, you know, just things for your kids to look forward to and know what to expect more than usual, I think is, is a lot of what I'm taking away from your advice here around uncertain times. Yes. Yeah, definitely. You, you've hit the nail on the head. That's, important scheduling and giving children something to look forward to and incorporating those positive events into their daily routine and making sure every day that they do have something that they can be grateful for. Yeah, so important. Anything else that you wanted to be sure we talk about before we wrap up? I really think we've hit everything. Um, We didn't mention mindfulness directly, but you did talk about being aware of what's going on around you and, you know, trying to develop some of that mindfulness is is important in children and giving them the aspect to accept things, to understand, recognize, and then let them go. Yeah, it's really powerful. Mindfulness for them and for us is very important. You know, that that makes us yeah. much better parents too when we're really mindfully aware of what's going on with our kids and where they are and what they need. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing some of your insights and your time with the audience. I know that everyone is going to get some great takeaways and ideas from this episode of how to really help our kids navigate uncertain times in a healthy way and to really keep a focus on good mental health as we're going through it. For everyone listening, you can find the show notes at parentingadhdandautism.com slash 102 for episode 102. And I will have links for you to connect with Shelly and her work and her website as well there. And I would encourage you to connect there and learn more from her as well. And with that, we'll end this episode. I will see everyone next time. Thanks again. 
Thanks for joining me on the Parenting ADHD podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share. And don't forget to check out my online courses, parent coaching, and mama retreats at parentingadhdandautism.com. Thank you.